Welcome to the Millennial Way. Real millennials, real success. This is how they did it. Tailoring the next generation of leaders. I'm proud to be your host, Chase Coleman. Y'all, what is up? Happy Winning Wednesday. I'm your host, Chase Coleman. And man, what a week, what a month, what a year. Shoot, 2020, it's like we can't get surprised by anything. I mean, I've seen a lot of people tweeting on Instagram and or tweeting on Twitter and on Instagram and Facebook. And there's obviously a lot of heightened emotions going on right now and just a multitude of things. But the one thing I want to let you guys know is that, you know, you heard me pour my heart out last week. And honestly, I meant every word that I said. And the truth really is that I'm solutions based. And due to that, I'm working my ass off to continue this fight. Personally, y'all, I'm, I'm feeling much better than last week. I slept like a total of two to three hours a night last week. And, and really, I was spending time talking with friends, uh, working on creating roundtable discussions, which I'll talk about. Um, it's kind of it's something that I'm working on with other leaders and people who I've had on the podcast in the past and people within my network to just talk about how we could cause change and, and keep this momentum going. Um, I think a lot of us had a lot of energy last week and this week as well. And we're going to have to keep that energy up if we're going to fight this fight. Um, but I've also been kind of sprinting to get my scholarship fund off the ground. And some of y'all might be asking like, why, why are you feeling better chase? And the truth is I, I took time to take care of myself this weekend. I meditated really, really hard. And I mean it when I say it's the best thing that I've ever done. I relaxed, I caught up on sleep and I truly just did things that made me happy like spending time with my roommate, playing tennis, which is something that I'm learning how to do right now. I am not good in any way, shape, or form, but I think with my athletic ability, I'll, I'll be able to get even better and, and finally be able to beat him maybe one day. Um, and then also like catching up with friends I haven't heard from in a while and honestly working on my podcast, working on this, but a lot of things that I did. But long story short, y'all, this is a marathon. It's not a sprint. We need to take care of ourselves first, and then we can finally take care of others. So make sure you're, that you're taken care of. Truth is, only you will know if you are. So in light of what's happened, um, I want to say this to y'all before we even get started with our podcast today. I have Shinjini Das coming on, and I'm pumped. She's she's awesome. But I did want to let you guys know one thing, and it's that I'm optimistically frustrated. I'm optimistic that the intolerance in our country is growing, and people are recognizing what's going on and educating themselves. The question is, can we keep the same energy for not only a day, a week, a month, or even a year, but until the problem is fully solved. Now, I'm, I am frustrated, and I'm frustrated because it took this long and so much hurt in the black community for us to get there. As if slavery wasn't enough, and you know what, I'm not even going to dwell on that for too much, but I will stay optimistically frustrated, and I will help be at the forefront of this change. I think we will be at the forefront of this change. And why? Because frankly, y'all, it's personal. It's personal to me as a human, uh, my little brother who has to see and feel the same hate, if not more, my future kids, I don't want them to have to go through this shit. My entire life, whenever I've come up to a barrier, no matter what that cause is, I've always told myself, hold strong, forget what they said, and put your head down and do the work. It'll be easier for the next person of color if you do. Now, the truth is, is that my thinking was wrong. It was actually very wrong because I had taken the way that I was treated I put my head down and I didn't speak up. I wasn't making it better for the next generation. 
I'm just like every other black man in a very fortunate situation to confide with society and societal norms, to push along like there aren't any issues. But like I said, I was wrong. So for me, no longer will I do that. From now on, I will speak up. I will let others know what is going on, why it is wrong, and why it needs to change. This isn't just for me. This is for the young black children that are seeing this happen and believe that they don't have opportunities. This is for my future children. So their path to success is much smoother. And this is for my kids' kids and my kids' kids' kids. So they could build wealth based on what my father and mother have done for me and what change they will see in our country. So remember, y'all, like I said, I'm optimistically frustrated. The first word is optimistic. We have seen slight progress. We're starting to see intolerance. We're starting to see people speak up. And I mean, shoot, every day that I'm walking to the tennis courts or I'm just walking around, there are white people at the corner holding up Black Lives Matter um, signs and they're getting people to honk if they be- if you believe Black Lives Matter. It's freaking awesome like seeing this. And we've never seen this type of intolerance before. And now that it is come to fruition and it's coming to light, I would say that that's good progress, at least for the time being and within a week. But like Kobe said in the finals when the reporter asked him why he wasn't happy after they were being up 2-0, the job's not done. This job is not done, and I will fight for what's right until I die. We will fight for what's right. I know that every single one of you will. I've heard from many of you, and that's what makes me super proud to even just be on this podcast is the fact that I believe all of my followers and all of the fans have the same head on their shoulders that I do, and it's that this is not right, and we need to change it. Yes, my crazy 2032 dream is still there, and I'm going to continue working my ass off until we could help cause change in this country. And I will do everything in my power and then some to help bring change in our country. I I promise y'all, I know that we got this. We really do. So a slight switch up to what we got coming on the podcast today. Um, Today, we're going to hear from Shinjini Das, who is the epitome of a go-getter. Shinjini is a minority woman who runs her own media company called the Das Media Group. And y'all, she's had a very interesting career and Honestly, little did I know that we went to high school right next to each other when growing up. It's, it truly is a small world. So I'm super proud to have her on my podcast today and to have her talk about her journey and honestly how all of us go-getters can continue chasing your dreams. And one note before we dive into it, this was recorded before the events of George Floyd, but enough of me ranting, enough of you guys hearing from me. Let's hear from Shinjini. And y'all, as I mentioned, I have the wonderful Shinjini Das here with me, who, quite frankly, guys, I've been following her on her Instagram, her Twitter, and a lot on LinkedIn a lot lately. And every time I hop on Shinjini, I see a new article with your face all over it. And it is fantastic. How are you doing I'm doing well, Chase. And I'm so excited to connect with you. And you have such an authoritative voice. That's fantastic. Because this is the first time that we're talking. So this is, yeah. I no, I appreciate that. And I'm I'm really excited to talk to you. And it's funny because, you know, our good friend Mikel Abdul Sabor mentioned to you mentioned you to me about, I want to say about a year ago. 
and I had your name down on a list for a very long time. And I've, I have this list of people who I'm like, these are kind of aspirational I'm reaching for. And you know what, after speaking with some of my friends and then just realizing that, you know what, sometimes you just got to go out on a limb. I just continued to like follow you and follow you. And then you reached out to me and I was just like, and I, I kid you not, I ran around my apartment for like five minutes and then I was like, all right, I got to get back to it. Um, but you have a very, very interesting journey. And I would love to hear a little bit of maybe like a cliff note version of just your journey from Georgia Tech to now owning your own media company and, and really leading all go-getters around yeah, the world. Yeah, around the world. <laughs> Uh, But you know what? I do want to say, Chase, that I had this realization that, you know, I definitely want to support go-getters and how to do that. You know, I think normal media interviews are great. That's awesome. But my thing was, you know, you all are the real go-getters, you know, boots on the ground, making it happen. And so I had this epiphany literally a week ago, which is why I've been on this blitz of reaching out, that what if I just reached out to go-getters following me who already know me, they love what I'm doing, and and wouldn't that be a great partnership, you know, to be on your shows? So this way, I'm obviously supporting your show, I'm giving you content, but also, you know, I'm telling everybody else that, hey, they're all go-getters, you know, and we're doing this together. So I'm just really thankful that you said yes and that we're doing this because I've been blown away by the response, Chase. I mean, I kid you not, I have recorded somewhere around five episodes this last week just from reaching out last week. Uh, because amazing. it's amazing. that synergy, you know? So I, I really think that is the foundation of the brand and who we are. And it's very much like user-generated content. Because also what I'm trying to tell people is I don't need the media. The media needs us. You know what I mean? So I think that's a really Absolutely. powerful shift. So I think so as well. And, and it's a very mature way of thinking, right? We think a lot about the media and we see a lot of celebrities and people who are out there and it's like, damn, like, how could I, how could yeah. I get there? But to your point, if people don't share their stories, if people aren't willing to even have a conversation, the media is right. nothing. You know, we look at, just even looking at like coronavirus at this current day and age, right? The media has blown up coronavirus and there's a million other things that go on in our country every single day, but not a lot of people are willing to step up and say anything about anything outside of the the whole coronavirus aspect. So the media just hones in on it and they know that people are going to listen, right? But to your point, it's like, if we don't have people who are willing to step up and say something, then your story is never going to be heard and it's never going to be told. And then also the media is never going to get the clicks or the, the press. That totally, happens. totally. And and you know what? Honestly, it's uh, in a, in, this is a negative situation, but look at the power of the media. Literally, we went from, and I remember March 9th, you know, I was out, I was getting my eyebrows down and everything. March 13th, <laughs> literally the world shut down. And how did we even find out about anything, Chase? Through the media. So the media instituted mm-hmm. a global lockdown which now has businesses out of business, a lot of people out of work, right? I mean, the unemployment numbers in America are skyrocketing. So that's the media. So I I do want to start, actually, it's a great place to start, that this is a very powerful tool. And I think that what a lot of people, especially our background, Chase, you know, really educated, smart people, smart girls, smart guys, I sometimes feel like they don't really understand how it works from a business point of view. So it's like, oh, TV, that's cool. You know, but when you quantify it like this, that the media literally instituted a global lockdown and now we can't go anywhere. We can't do anything. And by the way, how did we find out about any of this through the media? I think that's a really powerful thing. So when you think about influencing, 
right? When you think about positive influencing, you know, that's what the positive part is. What I want to do is use my content and platform to then institute positive change. So where, you know, the girls in Ghana and Nigeria and all saying, oh my gosh, I'm going to law school. I'm figuring it out. I'm going and getting my goals. Because I think that's the conversation, Chase, that was missing, you know? And for a long time, I tried to ignore it. Trust me, I tried to, because honestly, to me, it seemed really difficult to fix. And my parents tell me this every day. This is too big. I don't know why, you know, you're trying to do it. And I was like, you know what? Because it needs to be done. And because I feel like no one really cares, you know, uh, it's, it's almost like if I ask people like, yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, it's, uh, yeah, the media, oh my gosh, it's so negative. It's, it's so depressing. So then I'll say, okay, so, you know, do you want to see positive content? Oh yeah, that'd be great. And literally that's it. That's all they say. So I'm sitting here going, they want to see positive content. They're on my team, but no one's doing it. You know what I mean? And and someone has to actually go out there. Someone has to produce the content. I mean, there's work involved, you know, and I think I was getting frustrated that at Georgia Tech, even after, you know, I'm here at Deloitte, I'm here at my digital marketing job, trying to do the thing, Chase. I mean, trying to be, you know, prestigious and productive, but somewhere I, I really, I couldn't shake it off that I don't really like this, you know, and I'm not particularly happy, you know, and I feel controlled and, uh, and wouldn't it be just better if I, if I, you know, wrote content and did this. Cause I, I literally saw the content out there, Chase. And I said, me today, like raw version, 23, 22, 24, I can write better than this. That's actually how it all started is when I saw the stuff being written okay. online, everything from dating advice to, you know, uh, whatever school advice, you know, and then I did some research and a lot of the people giving school advice, like they'd never even gotten a STEM degree, you know, and so they're, they're trying to give advice to other engineers and it, it just, it just wasn't clicking. So it was a whole lot of like, you should yeah. code. And she's an actress, which is great, you know, from the advocacy point of view, but you're going to have coders who are going to say that you're just, you're an actress. Like I've never seen you coding in my life, you know? And by the way, they're correct. She has never coded in her life. You know what I mean? So there was this just very deep disconnect that I read from years ago. I mean, I probably even as a teenager, but you know, then I was like, you know, life goes on and I have to. I have to make my, you know, not my parents proud, but you know, immigrate, I'm an immigrant and this is who I am. So I have to go to Deloitte and I have to do this and I have to go to my MBA. You know, that's what I have to do. But somewhere the, the car broke down, you know, and I've been very honest about uh, how it broke down, you know? So about two years into my career, I just realized that I, I can't do this anymore. And I was 24, you know, so 22 to 24. So I tried, you know, I, I'm, I'm proud of myself that I tried. I think if I had just, started a business straight out of college, that's when I think a part of me would have thought, well, I've never worked anywhere else. Like, how is that? I have no idea. Because one thing I've noticed about entrepreneurship is once you get in, it's really difficult to come out. So even if your first venture fails, you're going to start another one because it's an addicting thrill, you know, because I control is addicting, you know, so you have this full control, you're the boss, you're in charge, like, why would you give that up? So very few people I know actually have been like, okay, back to work. Like, it's not that easy, you know, likewise, like, if you make a lot of money, and then you're like, okay, so your budget is a dollar a day, all of a sudden, it's just not feasible, you know, because you're used to a higher standard of living. So that was my um, thought, you know, of like, okay, this content is a thing, I really want to work on it. But how, when, what, and and then I just sort of put it on the back burner. The minute I hit my career walls, 
that's when I realized that I, I can't do this, you know, because it's going to be the same stuff, just a different day. If I switch to another company, I switch to another state. I, I, I try whatever I want to try, but I, I just feel like it'll be the same stuff, you know, uh, Hey, you can't do this. You might, you need my permission. I heard that a lot. Um, why are you using emojis and emails? Why are you doing this? This is wrong. This, and I just, my thing was, so I can never do anything right. Like everything is wrong all the time, you know? And I it just, I, I don't work in that environment. My thing is, if it's wrong, tell me what I'm doing well, you know, let me work on, like, let me grow, you know, constantly giving negative mm-hmm. feedback. I, I feel like that's not the way to make employees grow. So I think that's when I decide I'm like, I'm done. You know, so 24 was sort of the breaking point. And, uh, and I said, I'm never going back. I literally told myself and everybody else, I'm like, I am never going back to another job again. Yeah. I, I, that's, that's amazing. And I think you've said a lot of key things here that I'm just going to touch on real quickly because this was fantastic, Shinjini. And when you talk about positive influence, right? And that's something that I personally take like to heart. It's, always having a positive influence. When I used to leave the house every day, my dad used to always say, do one thing nice for somebody today. Even if you, even if you have to lie to somebody and tell them that you like their shoes, right? Do something nice and try to make their day. And when I started enacting that into my life, I realized how happy I felt. I was like, wait, seeing people smile and seeing people get happy when I come around is something that I truly enjoy. And when I was thinking about being in college, I had a very similar thought as you did, because being a minority and looking at corporate America, you kind of have this thought process of like, I have to go to the biggest and best company and I have to really grind and have to prove myself. Right. And while I was, you know, starting off at Starbucks, I realized very quickly that the people who are on my side and advocating for me were very much on my side and advocating for me, but it didn't matter if they were a director or a VP or, you know, a chief officer, if my manager, if other people had a negative connotation because other people liked me, then that could essentially hurt and and be at my detriment, right? And that's, like you said, out of my control. There was nothing that I could do to make other people say, hey, you know, well, Chase is liked by this person, this person, and this person. So we're just going to, I don't like him anymore. And I'm envious or I'm, whatever the the feeling was, it was very daunting to me and my mental health. And I was like, whoa, like I need to do something to make sure that nobody else feels this way because I didn't think it was fair to feel that way in a corporate le- in a corporate job, right? We see we see those people that we work with more than we see anybody mm-hmm. else in our lives, and I truly believe that because you're there for eight yeah. hours and then you come home, or you know, eight hours at yeah. the minimum. Um, so it's just very interesting to kind of hear your perspective on that as well. And then you talked about career walls, which is something I want to dive into a little bit deeper. Um, so I think we all kind of run into these walls as we come into, you know daily life, weekly life, monthly life, just Mm. in general. But when you're talking about a career wall, is it something that you mentally came up to where it was like, I just need to break through this and then I'll be able to maybe make it to the next step? Or was it that people were giving you like the negative feedback? Like, what would you say were some of the career walls that you ran into while you were um, thinking about making this transition into media. You know, I think Chase, this is something that I've heard about people in relationships that they say that there's no future here. You know what I mean? We're not on the same path. We don't have the same purpose. You don't really understand me. I don't really understand you. I don't even really like you anymore. Um, you don't like me anymore. So it, it, it actually became a fundamental issue. 
you know, which uh, which I'm very clear about because I think I'm someone who uh, has pushed through my whole life. You know, between you and me, I don't think I was the strongest engineer, Chase, by a mile, you know, but I got the degree, right? It's right here, right? And I got it done because I'm a go-getter and I knew that I'm going to go get it done. I may not be the best. I definitely will not graduate with the highest GPA, but I will graduate and I will do something awesome with an industrial engineering degree which uh, is unique and, and that will make me stand out. So I have pushed through my whole life. You know, I was shy. I started public speaking. So this, when it happened, uh, it became clear to me that this wasn't a pushing through issue. Uh, and the reason is I, I felt so uh, depleted. You know, I felt so lethargic. I mean, going into work, both jobs, because I have two jobs, had two jobs, uh, were very uh, difficult for me to like maintain you know, so it, it literally, and, and this is so unlike me, but literally saying things like, uh, I don't think I can go into there. You know, I, I physically feel sick. That's when I realized, because trust me, I, try, I tried to, I was like, just, you know, get it done. Go get her. Let's who I am. So, but it came to a point where I, I physically almost felt pain, you know, uh, just going in because I knew it would be the same stuff, right? Like this is wrong. It's all guys you know, all men much older than me. And, uh, and then they're sort of giving me this, all this feedback, do this, you know, you should do this more and this. And I was sitting here thinking, I don't think this is, first of all, the way, second of all, I don't think this is the only way. Third of all, I'm not comfortable being in an environment where there are literally zero women, you know, it's, it's strange, yeah. you know, especially in 2016, this is not 1925, right? This is 2016. Uh, and, uh, and that's when I thought, I thought to myself that, you know, this is an issue far beyond uh, pushing through, you know, and, uh, and I've heard, you know, multiple people describe multiple different situations in their life that are similar. So I definitely had to step back and do a little bit of self sort of psychoanalysis and think that um, what's going on. You know, so for all growth getters listening, that's a really big thing is just stepping back and saying literally what's going on, you know. And when I did that, it came to the, you know, relationship fundamentals that I don't really like you. You don't really like me. You definitely don't understand me. I definitely do not understand you. And ultimately, I don't see a future here, you know. So when it came down to that, that's when I thought I'm, I'm out. That's that's a really good way of looking at it, because I think a lot of us can kind of get into the the rat race or the rut of, you know, I just got to do this. It's a routine. I'm going to get there. And when you start kind of losing yourself, right. And you feel like, and that's, I I think that's what I'm kind of getting at from, from what you're saying is that you didn't feel like Shinjini walking into the office. You felt like almost like a skeleton of yourself and that you were just there because you were like, you know what, I'm going to come here. I I have to almost, and I'm not very happy, but I'm going to, I'm going to do my work and and then I'm going to go home. Right. And, and you just kind of get into that like routine, but to, take a step back and realize, like you said, the relationship fundamentals. I don't like you. You don't like me. I don't understand you. You don't understand me. There's no reason for us to be in this this relationship, right? So it's time that we part ways and one of us is going to have to rip the bandaid off and I might as well do that for myself. Right. And I kind of, that kind of leads into my next question Mm -hmm. about go-getters because you've coined this term go-getters. I absolutely love it. It's, I'm going to let you define it for me um, because I think a lot of us have our own different definitions, but what kind of, could you define go-getters for us and what brought you to 
go-getters and coining this term and then making it a global term that we yeah. all use now. No, 100%. You know, Chase, I think the story is uh, is my story, right? It's this idea that I wasn't happy, which is why, you know, every day when I get stories of go-getters who are stuck, who are un- unhappy in a variety of things, you know, abusive relationship, bad job. I mean, just you, you name it, you know, low money, no money. You know, I'm very empathetic, you know, because... Uh, I know what it feels like to be stuck, maybe not in all of those situations, but in my own personal way, I know what it feels like to be completely stuck, to feel like there's no way out, you know? And so uh, that actually became my battle cry, you know, that I'm a go-getter. Now I'm going to get out of this. I'm going to go get my goals. I'm going to leave this all behind. I'm going to make it happen. So it's very personal. You know, obviously it is an English language word, but at Georgia Tech, a lot of people called me a go-getter. And that's when I thought, oh my gosh, we're all go-getters, but what makes me unique? Oh, I'm a woman. I'm a female. What is that? And so I actually wrote my first article called Five Secrets of a Go-Getter Girl, uh, which was picked up by Huffington Post. Uh, so that was actually my, my initial foray into the media in 2015, in January 2015. And I still remember when that article came out, you know, it got so many tweets and subtweets and retweets by uh, women and also men. And they responded to me saying, oh, my gosh, you know, I'm a go getter. I'm a go getter. I'm a go getter. I'm a go. Literally, that was the number one response, not Oh, confidence. Yes. You know, we should be confident. We should love ourselves and all the things that I said in the article. I felt like maybe they would have picked up on that. The only thing they picked up on was I'm a go getter, you know, so that's when I started thinking that, wow, this is really amazing because obviously I had heard of the word, too, but I also had not heard it used in a uh, common lexicon, you know, every single day. Like, I, I still remember seeing the word I'm going, I know what it is, but I still feel like it's a little bit rare. You know, there's a, there's a little bit of a exclusive oh, yeah. quality. Like, not everyone is a go-getter, but maybe everyone could be a go-getter. Like, there's a little bit of energy there, you know? So I, I felt that. I felt that myself. Mm-hmm. And the minute all these people started saying, I'm a go-getter, I'm a go-getter, that's when my wheels started turning. And I said, I don't know if anybody else sees this. Because by the time I had, you know, very few followers on Twitter and everything, I said, I don't know if everyone sees this, but I already know that this is the beginning of a global motivational brand because, I mean, you look at the motivational content out there today, Chase, and it's very generic, right? It's like the moon is yours and the star. I mean, it's just so high level that my problem personally is I can't connect to it as an individual. And as it turns out, neither can most of you. Because you tell me, right? Like you'll tell me stuff like, I love the quotes. They're awesome. But how do I start owning my destiny? You know what I mean? Yeah. You know, so, so it's, it's, oh, yeah. a, it's an actual problem. And, and the background and training I come from as an engineer, you know, I really have to problem solve, right? And so when I, when I saw these tweets, I'm a go-getter, I said, maybe this is sort of the first relatable motivational brand. You know, because most of the brands out there, and and by the way, there are not that many. I think that's the other misconception, because when people think of motivational speaker, I mean, you're not coming up with 100 names of the top people, the top. And I'm not saying like everybody in the world. I'm saying the top people, right, who are in the news, in the media, the this and that. There's not that many. And, And if they are, they're much older than me. Us, number one. Number two, usually white. Okay, if not all typically male. Okay, if they're not male, they're women who talk to only women. 
So I did an analysis of all those things. And I said, you know what, I'm going to create something that is literally the opposite of all of that. So not a man, woman who talks to men, because that's actually very different. If you follow any of the female motivational speakers in my space, they pretty much specialize in women, um, which by the way is amazing. Yeah. And, and, and being a woman, motivating women, and that's all you do fantastic but just because of my background as engineer as of this i mean i've always gotten along with guys really well you know and i knew that mm -hmm. men are going to follow me like it's i, I can't I, i can't push them out and even today i mean there you guys are probably my majority if if not anything you know so i that's how it all kind of started you know uh, is is this is a brand and also i just even today trace i mean it's been some time but you know if i wake up and say oh my gosh i'm a go-getter i get motivated you know so because it's a it's a really good energy that whatever i have in myself is enough to overcome and and hopefully that is what you get from my message is that you are enough to overcome you will overcome because you're a go-getter and you're going and getting your goals, right? Versus waiting for the goals to come to you. I hope it'll happen. No, no, no. I'm going to make it happen. So I find it very empowering, um, which is uh, a test, you know, that I use that sometimes I'll forget, you know, I'll be just something. And I'm like, I'm a go-getter. And then all of a sudden I'm like, oh my God, I am. So, and, and hopefully that is the effect that, that I'm having on people. And I think from what I've heard, that is the effect that I'm having on them that they're going, oh my God. I'm, I'm worth more than this. You know, it, it's hard for me to go get my yeah. goals. So like today on LinkedIn, I posted, Ma, you wanted me to work at Google. And now I became the news and, and people Google me. So that, is, that mm -hmm. is the story that you wanted me to be on this straight path, just doing whatever, frankly, doing whatever. That's the actual truth. But then I took a turn. I pivoted because I'm a go-getter. And now I'm going and getting my goals in this way that is just amazing and frankly, um, probably something that I didn't think was possible. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I, Hey, that's, that's fantastic. First off, go-getters is a catchy yeah, name too, right? Yeah. Talk about a very catchy yeah. like lexicon to be using within the English language. But Shinjini, one thing I'll say to you that I, I think you, you kind of alluded to a little bit was that your story and the way that you motivate is very genuine mm. and authentic. And it's, and like you said earlier, it's very positive as well. And I say that because I've in my past and also currently always trying to find new motivation yeah. speakers, right? And like you said, a lot of the, the guys out there, and, and they are a lot yeah. of guys, are very high level. And it's like, you know, reach for the stars. And if you land on right. the moon, it's okay. And it's like, well, how do I, and how do I put yeah. that into my life, right? Like, I don't see a star yeah. when I'm walking around and the moon is very, yeah. very far. I don't want to even get there, right. you know? And you just make it real. And the fact that you're able to connect with both men and women is just one of the various reasons why I'm a personal fan of yours. Because as I continue to learn more about women motivational speakers, and I'm just speaking from a very honest standpoint, some of them are very polarizing. Yes. And I understand the reason. And, and I understand the reason behind it. And working in a corporate environment and still being in one, also working in like diversity and inclusion on the side, I see why women continue to push right. against men and it's it's very yeah. valid but to that point i'm a, a minority man who also comes up against many challenges within right. the corporate environment and within everyday life and i just am not able to connect with them so i don't ever you know devalue them or put them down but i'm like hey this person is mm -hmm. just not for me and when i think about your story when i think about how you've come about everything it's like hey i may not be the absolute mm -hmm. best at it 
but I will be at some point because I'm going to put the work in and I'm going to, I'm a go-getter. So I'm going to go get exactly what it is that I want to achieve. And sure. My parents might've wanted me to be on this very straight path of going to Google or a big, you know, tech company in the United States and working my way up the ladder and having a very secure job. But instead of that, you decided to take the path less traveled because of your passions and because you saw a big opportunity in the world where it was like, there's no content out there right now. There's absolutely none. I'm giving a webinar today on finding your first job. And I I did a lot of, I'm, I'm super pumped about it. And I was doing research on like what other companies, brands have done anything like this. And I was looking at like Indeed and Monster and they have these five page blogs that basically tell you nothing. I mean, legitimately nothing. And it's, it's such a gap. And I'm not making any money off of this webinar. I don't really care to make any money off of it, but because I think that it should be offered for free for everybody. And it's just one of those things where it's like, there's Mm -hmm. an opportunity and we need to, we need to take advantage of it. And you are one person that has continued to motivate me to continue to achieve my dream. So I have to say, no, you're you're so welcome. Um, And Chase, it's not something that I take lightly because I think about who I follow, who actually motivates me. And, and by the way, that is another feedback that I've gotten a lot that, I do like some other motivational speakers, but I don't really feel like they're telling me this. I don't really feel like they motivate me. So it's inspiring. And I'm like, wow, that's amazing. Wisdom for everyone. Yes, queen. But then again, you're sort of back at square one going. So, I mean, what about my life? Right. And, and I think that's a very valid point because again, I think about what I go through and, uh, and I probably go through the same thing that I'm looking at and going, yes, you know, wisdom is important and self-love is important, but let's say I'm struggling to love myself. You know, I want some actionable tips or advice or you know so I I still don't see that you know and and I can name people that you and I both know and follow you know the biggest of the biggest the best of the best so my thing is if the best of the best doesn't have this then I I mean to me it's so simple like give the people solutions to their problems right I mean as a motivational speaker isn't that your goal but sometimes I feel like I don't know it's like I was a I don't know, broke and, and now I am rich. I'm like, okay, that's cool, but I'm so broke. Right? Yeah. <laughs> so I think that's a very interesting paradox, which I'm really trying to solve because, you know, I think what's happening is you're reading this stuff and actually a lot of people come to me and they'll say, I actually get very discouraged because, you know, he's telling me he's really rich now and I'm still broke. So, I mean, how do I like get there? You know, so I think this idea of go, literally go get there, go get it. I think that's really powerful because what I'm trying to tell you is, again, no matter where you are, uh, and you'll notice I don't say things like today's your day to become a millionaire because I want you to just make progress, you know? So if you are in poverty, it is not realistic for me to say that today you're going to become a millionaire because that's just too far. However, if you say that today I'm in poverty and I worked on my goals, I made an action item list, I'm in Honduras, I'm in Bolivia, all the places where I've spoken, very developing countries, and you say, Shinjini, you know what? Um, I have a job now. I would be ecstatic for you because I know that if you're in poverty, your family's in poverty, you have a job now, whatever, storekeeper, manager, at a store, salsa maker, I I don't even care what it is. You know, I know that it's, Mm -hmm money it's it's an income it's a purpose that for me is progress you're a go-getter whereas i feel like some of these other motivational speakers might look 
down at you for that. They're like, oh, so you're, you're a shopkeeper still? So that, that's, that's it. Whereas I know that that's a really big step from where you were, you know? So I think what I'm trying to advocate is we're going to be better today than we were yesterday, you know? And, and that's what, you know, I, I want to do. I'm not, I'm not trying to, you know, be out here saying zero to hero, you know, millionaire, because I, I just feel like that's probably unrealistic for most. For most. Absolutely. Well, and there's so many few millionaires right. in the world, right? And and to your point, progress yeah. is progress. And I, one of my favorite quotes is always be 1% better today than right. you were yesterday. And always kind of moving towards that goal and trying to always level up in one way or the other. And I think a lot of motivational speakers don't look at where people come yes. from and they look at where yes. you can go. And it it's very important to take a look at the holistic picture to say, Hey, you know, if you're coming from poverty and you, nobody in your family has had right. a job or had right. an education and you go and take yeah. that first step and you're the first person in your, in your family to graduate yeah. high school, or you're the first person in your family to go to college or to get a job, that is a huge, huge progress yeah. for people. And one thing that I know as a minority is that it's almost like every generation, at least in my family has continued yes. to level up and it's like, you know, my dad may not be a multimillionaire or anything of that sort, but he is doing better than his his family was. And my goal is to take the Coleman name and grow it one step further, right? Even if that means that I, you know, I, I don't even know what yeah. that means today, yeah. but just continuing to kind of level up, knowing that I want to pass that on to my kids and to allow them to continue to start from where I was able to finish yeah. and, and continue yeah. moving forward. Because for me, that's generational progress and that's generational wealth and things of that sort. But I do want to kind of switch gears just real quickly because you spoke about your speaking engagements and how you've traveled around the, yeah. the globe and given so many, so many talks. And you've also written a memoir at 26, which I think is just freaking awesome. Could you just tell us a little bit about like your speaking engagements, what you do, um, how, how you kind of go about them. And then also like a little bit about your book. Too. Yeah, totally. So I think the speaking, uh, Chase is how I started everything, which is what all my handles you'll notice are speaker Shinjini, because I wanted to ground my brand in something tangible. You know, because you'll notice uh, a lot of um, influencers, it's just their name, right? Which is fine. But sometimes from a branding angle, like you're not sure what she does, you know, or you're not sure what he does, you know, whereas I, I day one, you know, when I constructed the handle, because I, I think, I don't remember if Shinji Das was even available, because I, I think it maybe wasn't. Mm -hmm. uh, but even, I, I knew, you know, I had this, I had this intuition that I need the word speaker in the handle, you know, because that's my, that's my root. You know, I, I was a competitive public speaker all throughout high school, uh, college. I was a commencement speaker at Georgia Tech. Again, you know, very, very, at the time, uh, predominantly Caucasian school, right? Uh, mostly guys. Mm -hmm. So it's a, it's a really big deal, you know, for me to have been commencement speaker. So I uh, did that stuff. And I said, you know what? my root is speaking and, and how I even uh, got into the media was I started tweeting, you know, so I started saying things like girls should be go-getters and, you know, it's time to go get our goals, you know, all these things, which again, not controversial, but sort of really different compared to the stuff that you see on Twitter, you know? Um, and so that's how the publicist found me. But again, what am I doing on Twitter? I'm actually public speaking. If you think about it, right. It's just in written form, right? So it's, it's a written speech yeah. basically. 
right? And so I was saying the young girl should be go good. I said, you know, I was seeing the views. It's like a oh, thousand impressions. Thousand impressions are a thousand views. So that could be thousand people in an auditorium, you know, which is very much my roots. That's like how I started. Not at a stadium level. Obviously, the commencement speaker was pretty much the only stadium level speech that I gave in my career, just because at a competitive level, it's pretty much you and one judge or it's you and two judges, you know? So I'd never like, which is why I always thought it was funny that all my events were public speaking, but I had never done public speaking. You know what I mean? Cause it was only three people. It was yeah. only two people. So it was just funny, <laughs> which is why when this all started, I said, you know what? I need everybody to know that I'm a speaker, you know, and that's day one. So Speaker Shinjini formed. I really think that's how everything got started, Chase. So I was very intent on becoming a professional speaker. Uh, also, I'll be honest, I mean, I definitely had heard that it's super lucrative. I think that was a big attraction point, just because, again, the backgrounds that we're coming from, um, we are generally privileged. I will say that. Um, all of us, you know, Mikhail, we went to the yeah. same middle school, we understand this. But I think the issue is just um, sometimes I feel that our families, we work too hard for not enough, you know? And so when I heard, for example, that, you know, you can make $10,000 in one speech, which by the way is one hour, you know, that's when I got really excited because I thought about my dad and the fact that he doesn't make $10,000 an hour. You know what I mean? So I think that was very exciting. I mean, of course, you know, the message and empowering and impacting all of that, but I was hell bent on becoming pro. And so that's how it all started. So I, I started researching at 22, 23, even when I was working, that how do you do that? I mean, do you like, how do you charge and charge a lot? I mean, what, what, what do I have? And I think these were some very important questions for me that if I want to charge $4,000, I mean, how, why would someone pay me that? Like, what do I have to offer? You know, and so I did my research and what I came on again, God bless Google, God bless digital media was you join an agency. And so that's kind of what triggered my thought process to, oh, I got to join an agency. I have to be sort of this um, verified, you know, item on the scene as a, as a speaker. And, and that will really lead me on the path to monetization. So my career, actually, the company started October, 2016, all of 2017, I was public speaking in this agency uh, on college campuses, which by the way, it was very difficult to get into chase, um, which is why I think every day I'm very, I'm very humbled by the challenges that I face because it, it just makes it clear to me why there aren't more people of color in the space, you know, because it, yeah. it is so difficult to break through and you just you know get told random stuff oh you're different oh you're this oh you're that and so it takes a really strong person to break through all of that and to not get eaten up by the shit you know and so every time I'm like well why doesn't this agency have more people of color I'm like oh that's why because maybe they're smart enough to avoid it I don't know you know (laughs) I mean just but but that's how it happened and I became pro with them even that selection process was so hard. Um, they only took 10 that year. It was a group of 50 uh, speakers uh, nationally. So it was like a national application process. And even then, you know, they said, you're so different. You're so this. And I was like, don't worry about it. Like, oh, I'm going to get in. It's fine. So uh, that's how I became pro. So I became pro at 24, which is still one of my proudest moments because I started speaking at 15. And you must understand, nobody around me had a, a, a freaking clue about how to do this, right? About how to become pro, right? So I asked people at my, you know, high school level speech coach, no idea. Uh, College level, no idea. I mean, Georgia Tech, like, they're like, what? (laughs) You know, I mean, just, 
Yeah, so I, th- I think it was humbling. You know, it was humbling to go through that. Uh, and then one, I, I remember, you know, because I, I was working my second job, digital marketing, I got my first booking through the agency at the University of Indianapolis. And I still remember it was a diversity lecture series, which if you think about it, your first paid speech to be a lecturer, like that was a big thing. Um, and I still, to this day, I know why. It's because I had nine years behind me. Like I'm not delusional about it. I've been doing this from 15 to 24. It's just I went pro at 24. But as a result, I started at a much higher level, like way higher level. Yeah, like diversity lecture series was awesome. And I still remember that first booking, I walked out of the office and started crying because um, well, because that's what I wanted. I mean, even if you ask TV and I want to say, yeah, TV is great, but really like my bread and butter was speaking. Like that was my thing. TV, mm-hmm. I'm like, okay, great. Like, but I'm not never been on TV. Like that's not, you know what I mean? Like I, I, I didn't have an emotional connection to that, you know, but I had an emotional connection to speaking, you know, cause I was like the only girl going up, doing my thing, only like Indian girl, uh, and winning everything. Like I have an emotional bond with that. I mean, all my trophies are here. Like if that was my life, you know, I went to like 20, 30 competitions at Milton. I won regional at Milton. I mean, so, like, it, so for me to get money for that, like that was a big moment, you know? Uh, for, oh, it's yeah. So my, my topics were uh, millennial identity, uh, five secrets of a go-getter and uh, the American dream. So I think even day one, as a pro speaker, you know, before the media like found me and all this stuff, like the, the themes were the same, you know, so immigrant American dream, uh, millennial identity, this idea of like, how do you find who you are at our age? And then uh, five secrets of a go-getter, you know, all good things, all important things, you know, and, uh, and I definitely uh, was just yeah amazed uh, by the response and um and I did really well I think I got like eight bookings that first year but you know eventually we parted ways the agency and I parted ways I wanted to be independent but that's how the speaking career started uh, and I mentioned that in great detail because uh, from again my understanding and my exploration there's not a whole lot of information available as to how you go pro um, or you know if you go pro and some of my you know pe- people of color friends are like yeah I charge. $500. And I'm like, why, why would you charge $500? So I think if there is information available, it's information at a very low pay grade. Whereas my fee was 2,500 per, and that's what I started at. Like that was my day one. So I went literally from zero to 2,500, which, and I told myself, I said, I'm not interested in $400. Like I can give you $400. I'm not interested in that. So yeah. like either it's go big or I'm not interested. So I think that was a really powerful move because some of the everything black, brown, Indian, there's not a whole lot, to be honest, of like inspiration for me in the speaking space. But especially black, it, it's like they, they're starting at such a low level that I'm always telling them, like, why are you doing that? Do you realize that getting paid $400 per speech is actually devaluing your brand, you know? It, like it does yeah. nothing for you, you know what I mean? Or my favorite, do it for free, it's exposure. I recorded Chase two videos for exposure. One was at a Latino Youth Leadership Conference at 23-ish, uh, or, or 22, actually both were 22. And then the, the, it was no, yeah, November 2014. The other one was a General Assembly Job versus Career. Why? Because I needed video footage. I did two, not 10, yeah. not 25, not 50. Because some of the stuff I'm hearing is very scary to me because there are people saying, well, you know, I'm on my 20th free thing, but don't worry, God is on my side. And I'm here going, that's not smart. Because here, here's what happens. 
you do the 19th one, you do the 20th one. Now they're like, Chase is free. Chase is free. Uh-huh. That's, that's a very difficult perception to break. Do you see what I'm saying? Like Absolutely. Well, like you said, they're devaluing themselves. And once people believe in that value right. that you're offering, right? If you do it a couple times, no one's going to bat an eye if you're like, oh, well, I only did it a couple of times because I yeah. needed exposure, but really I'm bringing $2,500 worth of value yeah. and this is why, right? You could go back and go look at those two free videos, but you're not going to get right. anything else for free because I value my time and what the message that I'm going to be portraying yeah. to everybody yes. else. But to your point, it's like, when you devalue yourself 20 times over, then you are free. You're offering yourself for free. And you're saying, Hey guys, like I have some good stuff to say, but you don't have to pay me for it. And that's not, and and that's something that I think you said earlier, like a lot of minorities will devalue themselves in order to help themselves. Yeah. Grow and, and help get that exposure. Yeah. And quotations grow. And it's like, you kind of run into that, that roadblock of like trying to advance. And because you're not, you're not advancing because you didn't allow yourself to, because you didn't give yourself that totally. room to grow. Totally. Right. Um, so I do want to, I have one last question yeah. for you. And I used to ask it like, and I got a lot of feedback about if you're in an elevator and someone were to ask you, like, I just need some help. Uh, what would some tips be? People apparently don't like that. So I'm just going to ask you this. Um, do you have two to three tips that you wanted to share today um, that you just didn't get the chance to? And if you didn't, what are just two or three tips that you would give for all young professionals and go-getters that are going to achieve their dreams or on their way to achieve their dreams? Yeah, Chase, you know, one thing that I believe in very strongly is monetization. And I'm saying this because there was a lot of pushback for me even to uh, be monetized. You know, Uh, again, you know, I, yes, uh, are there now, I don't know, Indian Script writers, yes, there are some, but I don't feel like in my personal journey, and by the way, this was 2016, 2017 was when I you know, first started speaking for money. There wasn't a whole lot of help for me is what I'm trying to say. There wasn't a whole lot of like, well, look at you know her, like she charging 10,000 per hour. You know, she's Indian, I'm Indian. Like she has my back. There was not a whole lot of that to, uh, excuse me. There was none of that, right? Because I'm looking at them and they're not charging anything or they're scared or whatever. So my point is it is very difficult to monetize your skills as a minority. You will face tremendous pushback. And so for me also, I I faced a lot of pushback and then the agency sort of had a a rule that, you know, everybody starts at 2,500. Right. And so I followed that. And then when I tried to ask for a raise again, there was pushback and that among other reasons was why we decided to part ways. But my point is you have to ask for what you're worth. You have to be a go-getter about it because if I had just chilled and waited and trusted God, I don't think anything would have happened, right? And in fact, uh, 2016 yeah. and then 2017 was when I booked my first $8,000 gig uh, on my own, right? On my own. She literally emailed me and I said, and she said, what's your price? Um, and, and by the way, this was like me barely nine months into being a professional speaker because this was May 2017, May 2017. And then I became pro in November. So November, December, January, February, March, April, May, six months. Right. So I could have easily said 2,500, in which case she would say, that's a joke. Right. Um, We can do that today. I think I quoted 10 and then we came down to eight. Do you see what I'm saying? So I think somewhere having that audacity and that self-belief to ask is what I'm trying to tell you is no one. And I repeat, no one will tell a minority. Oh, two. No, 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 buddy. I'll give you five. Like it doesn't work that way. 
And so mm-hmm. if anything, they're going to keep pushing you down and down and down. So that's what I'm saying. I asked for 10, I ended up with eight. So if I had asked for two, I might've ended up with $500. Do you see what I'm saying? So yeah. that's some, that, and that's a conversation that I just don't see happening in the media, right? There's a lot of talk now about, oh, YouTube influencer or whatever, YouTube personality. Uh, that's like advertisement. So there's not a whole lot of asking for anything there in terms of money, right? But when you're doing a speaking engagement, when you're doing a webinar, right, charging $500 for a webinar, like why, why bother? Like why bother? Do you see what I'm saying? That's how I look at it. Oh, yeah. That's how I look at it. You know, so I mean, now, I mean, I, I'm ready. You you tell me what you want me to do and I will start you up top. Also, it's a respect issue. If you don't charge good amounts, you know, they will think that you're shit, you know, and uh, and, and that's the truth. You know, so when I uh, went independent, I told myself, I said, part of the reason I'm going independent is to make more money, not less money. Right. So I can't be doing the like five hundred dollars and whatever, two thousand dollars. So my thing is like five figures or bust because I don't have time, you know, and and you'd be surprised at how many people so far. Um, I have not faced any pushback again from the people who have budget. Now, if you're asking people who have nothing, then obviously, you know, that's yeah. It's tougher, it's tougher, right? But to people who yeah. I knew they have budget, they have this. One of them is was actually my um, alma mater. You know, my I was a, a business kind of. It was a business organization. I was an, I'm an alum. Um, I I was a little scared, you know, because I'm like, okay, I'm an alum. You know, is he gonna ask me to do this for free? You know, because I'm not really free. I literally quoted what I quoted, and there was not a word of pushback. He was like, oh, I'm mailing the check today, and I was like, are you are you serious? And and, and here's why I'm saying this. I want more people of color who are young professionals to experience those highs. Now, if you ask me how many $10,000 gigs have you booked? Obviously, it's a work in progress. I'm not going to be out here saying, Chase, I'm on my 10th one. I'm on my 12th one. It is difficult. It is difficult to do that, especially as a person of color, especially as a young woman of color, where I don't have a whole lot of examples above me. Because trust me, Chase, anyone who I talk to, like they're all more scared than me. You see what I'm saying? So if I say something yeah. like I'm charging yeah. ten, they're like I'm charging zero, and I'm just like you're all hopeless. You know, like like you know I, mean? <laughs> I want someone to be charging fifty thousand dollars an hour who is twenty six, and then I feel like I can win from that. You know, because then I'll be like, well, if she's doing it. Yeah, she's Indian. She's helping me. Out. None of them are doing that. You see what I'm saying? None of them. Oh. Yeah. You're setting the bar. Right. But, or if they are doing that, they are like 40 and I'm like, we're not really, this is too far. Uh, Because at 40, you are worth 40,000 an hour. I'm just trying to say like my age right now, who can help me? And the answer is no one. Cause I feel like, and, and trust me, I've tried, I've tried to talk, Hey, I saw you're speaking there. What are you charging? And it's, it's all so low that I'm like, I'm, you're not helping me because I'm already at a higher level. You know what I mean? That's very frustrating yeah. to me. Um, but again, I'm doing what I can. You know, I'm trying to educate people. I'm trying to, but I think somewhere, at least from what I've heard, is uh, a lot of people are holding themselves back. So there's a lot of conversation on $8,000 for an hour. I'm not worth that. I'm, I'm just a humble being. I'm asking you to not do that. I'm asking you to value, because in my case, like I'm doing this speech, some guy goes and starts a business, some girl goes and graduates law school. Her salary as a lawyer and his income as a business person are all contributions to that country's GDP, which frankly is a result of me. Like, let, let's be very honest. 
you know, without me, I'm not saying they're not capable. I'm saying without me, I don't think either would have happened. You see what I'm saying? When you quantify it like that and the GDP increases multi-millions over a period of time, what is $8,000? What is $10,000? What is $50,000? You know what I mean? Like I'm not out here asking for 8 million a speech. I mean, I don't think that'll ever happen. I think, you know, I'm, I'm trying to definitely at some point I want to hit one. I want to hit one. I want to hit two. Uh, but, you know, it, mm-hmm. it's all calibrated, you know? So if it's a global audience, you know, and everybody graduates school because of me, then that is a very high value, you know? Uh, Oh, yeah. So I, I think sometimes, especially women that I talk to really struggle with that uh, calculation because there's a whole lot of like, I'm so young. What do I know? I'm just a little flower. You know what I mean? But it's like somewhere you really have to like get into the math, you know, and present them of like uh, equations. You know? Absolutely. Well, one thing I, I think, and thank you for that. Well, it's first irritating to me, Chase, that... because I also need some inspiration and examples. And it's frustrating that people who I think could be my, like, they're just not, they're just not doing it. Yeah. Yeah. And I think, you know, it's, it's interesting because as, as people even own businesses and say they own a product yeah. rather than a service, right. Rather than themselves being a right. public speaker they're going to charge as much as they can for that product, right? You look at it from like a a number standpoint and you're like, you know, I bought this product for $2. I'm going to have to at least sell it for $4 if I want to make a profit on it, right? And when you think about it from that lens, it's almost like, why would you not put that same type of math and rigor into yourself? And why would you not do yourself the due diligence? If you're willing to do do it for an intangible product, right? This pen costs money. This pencil costs money. This cup costs money. Water costs money. If I have to pay for all of those things, why would I not value myself the same way? And that's, I, I just, I love everything that you've said because I think it's, well, I think, it's very inspiring. What I'm trying to say is like, if you now come back to me, Chase, and you say, well, look at this Indian guy. He's 34 charging $50,000 an hour. I'll say, yeah, but I'm not a man. I'm not, you see what I'm saying? So I'm trying to find like to like mm-hmm. examples, young woman of color, twenties, you know, because like, I'm just trying to find people because I mean, you can't compare us to 40 year olds, you know, because I mean, that's a lot more experience yeah. than we have, you know? So I'm trying to find people at the twenties level, 24, 25, who are charging five figures. There's just not a whole lot, you know, or it's some weird case where like they have a million followers or which, I mean, that's a big deal. Uh, most don't have yeah. a million followers, you know what I mean? So where is that relatable in between person in this mix? Because there are some people who I know now, you know, video influencer, whatever, 50,000 an hour. And I'm like, yeah, but we're not the same. You know what I mean? I'm, I'm trying to find someone at my level with this because I'm, I'm not a YouTube star. You know, I'm not uh, a, a you. Yeah, I'm not. I'm not a YouTube star. I'm not a television star, you know, where like my face is every everywhere every day. Right. So in terms of like that ground up approach, Chase, that is what I have had trouble finding an inspiration for. Because I'm talking to people who are like, they're like, yeah, well, you know, Ariana Huffington discovered me. And I was like, we're not, we're not the same. Because Ariana Huffington probably still doesn't know who I am. You know, you see what I'm saying? I'm not trying yeah. to um, yeah. compare with them, you know, because for me, a publicist discovered me on my own merit. You know, not that somebody's dad or mom or whatever found me and now I'm charging $50,000 an hour. Like to me, again, that's not the same. So there are some very honest conversations about uh, privilege, about, you know, 
just who you know and how this ended up happening and uh, what is it? What was it? Um, some shark on the shark tank, like found you and, and now you're huge and now you charge $60,000 an hour. That's not my story. So I think I'm coming from a very ground up approach uh, and I'm having trouble finding other people my age who are, are only existing because of their merit, right? No connections, nothing, mm-hmm. just merit, who are charging the five figures mark, you know? Um, it's just it's just not there. And it's it's really pathetic because I'm, I'm going here going, you're a lawyer. You're like, JD is a degree. Like, you are worth more than $2,000 an hour, you know? So they just, yeah. they don't get it. Uh, I can do what I can do. You can do what you can do. But at the end of the day, you know, if you don't decide to ask and advocate, then I have nothing to say to you. But, um, but yeah, no, I have booked um, more than one, we'll say that, by myself, which I'm very proud of because the agency, um, you know, kind of negotiates your thing and it, pretty much everything is the same price, 2500 But when I exited, um, I, I booked two on my own for 10000 So going from two to 10. That's amazing. You know, it's probably well, and you're just going to keep leveling up, right? Yeah. And and like you said, it's it it's not it's there's not many people out there who are like for like like yourself, like myself, and it's hard to continue to be inspired when you're not able mm-hmm. to see somebody above you and be like, okay, like I see where I'm reaching and where I'm going to try to get to, and I could be 100%. there, right? And I feel your frustration because as I work in, you know, a corporate environment, I look at my leaders sometimes and I'm like, really can't see myself as any of you guys. Like, first off, I'm bald. I lost my hair at 25. Like a lot of you guys are older white men. Right. And, and that's not to, I'm not going to fault that for being there because that's their, that's their situation. Right. But I'm just saying from my, from my aspect, I look at them and I'm like, I really like you guys as people, but I also yeah. don't want to be you because that's not who I am. And I can't physically change who I am genetically right. to be that. No, and all I can say, to, Chase, I mean, I think I've reached a point no. where I'm very proud of the multiculturalism that we both bring. You know, I'm very proud that by existing, we speak to different demographics. And by the way, I've also seen um, who likes your posts. And it's a lot of the people who like my posts, right? Young, diverse people of color uh, who are not also just one race, right? So you're seeing Afro-Caribbean, you're seeing Indian, Italian. I I don't know. I mean, there's just a lot of different combinations of people who, but again, by virtue of you and I existing, we are connecting to them Uh, because for better or for worse. And some people have told me this before and I used to laugh, uh, but now I get it, especially um, like you and I are skin tones. And this is something I, I realized the first time I went on your Instagram because of the way we look, um, we're generally ethnically ambiguous, right? Um, because we're sort of not in the spectrum of skin color. We're kind of in the middle of everything, you know? Yeah. Uh, so as a result, a lot of people see themselves in us, you know? So I'm getting the black demographic who uh, identify with me being a person of color. I'm getting Indian people who's oh my God, I'm Indian. So I think that's beautiful. So I, I have no desire to fit in. I have no desire to be... Uh, um, you know, white at all, you know, and, and I think that it's a strength. So I think the way I look at it is like, you're amazing. You're awesome. Definitely learning from you, but oh my God, let me also teach you about my culture. Let me also teach you about connecting with uh, diverse consumers. Yep. And and now we have this beautiful dialogue. Cause I think um, I'll also take your man, woman, like polarization and say, there's a lot of white versus people of color polarization. Uh, that I see every day. It's like, well, it's your fault. And I'm just like, you guys, we're here to be one, not 
you know, fight. Because if we keep fighting, then there's no resolution. Also, because if you've noticed, a lot of white influencers struggle to connect to people of color. I don't know if you've seen that, but if you see the likes on their posts, like you go down the list and you're like, what's the same? They're all white. Yeah. Right. Likewise, people of color. I've seen that a lot too. So people of color, what's the same? Everyone's a person of color who likes their posts. And so I know I'm trying to be uh, one of the first, just I'm everything. Like John is on my team. Mm -hmm. Jamil is on my team. uh, And Shantanu is on my team. We're all, we're all together. We're go-getters, you know, because I have, no tolerance for like division anymore. You know what I mean? So, yeah. Oh yeah. There's, I mean, there's, it's 2020, right? I mean, it's been a crazy year, but we, we have to be nice to each other and empathetic. And I think to your point of being kind of in the middle of the spectrum, that's something that I am very fortunate about because I've been able to connect with both sides and it feels so, and it's, I'm not changing anything about myself, right? I'm just genuine. I'm chased when I show up because I'm like, you guys are all awesome and we all have different backgrounds, but we're all just here to do the same thing. And that's genuinely be happy. So I just absolutely loved everything that you said. Um, And I know that we're running short on time here. So I'm going to say thank you, Shinjini. This was absolutely awesome. I'm super happy that we got to connect this morning and being able to hear your story from you firsthand and honestly sit across the screen from you. I I'm, on cloud nine right now. And I'm very, very excited to even be able to get this podcast episode out to all the other go-getters and people who are going to be tuning in because you gave us some, some gems, Mm -hmm. (laughs) like some very, very key gems and just growing and and being your, yourself and kind of like just owning yourself and and owning who you are and not devaluing yourself. So I just want to say thank you because this was so much. Thank you, Chase. And, and trust me, I mean, anytime I have these conversations of monetization, um, I tend to feel a little uncomfortable just because I know my peers are not approaching it with the same aggression, but you know what? They're also not getting paid what I get paid, you know? And, uh, and so I definitely want to end with this idea that you have to be a go-getter in, in going and getting anything, your, your raise at work, right. As well as your uh, speaking engagement. Again, I realize that the speaking engagement fee is not relatable to most people. For most people, it is sort of your salary, your stock options, your bonus, uh, and, and maybe your raise. So my advice to you is as a go-getter, you got to negotiate for the bonus. You got to negotiate for your raise. You have to articulate the value that you provide to what you need. And also, this is something I've been doing, Chase. What do you physically need, not to survive, but to thrive, right? And so I have a mental number that once I hit this, I'm good. Now, anything else beyond is sort of just kicks and giggles. And, you know, I I almost just wanted to, you know, show how how cool I am. But with this much money, I mean, I, I can do whatever I need to do and then some. You know, and this is just me, myself and I. So I'm not thinking about a family. I'm not thinking about husband and kids. And because obviously that adds more. Right. But I'm saying if I myself earn this, we will be good. Whatever your house payment. You're there. So notice I feel like a lot of people follow me. Go-getters, they're not analyzing. So there's a whole lot of conversation of I'm broke. But when I ask them, what do you need? I'm not really getting an answer. So I mean, so an example. Mm-hmm. is, uh, you know, I'm, uh, whatever, you know, 50, uh, my, my daughter is, um, you know, uh, I don't know, 20 or whatever. Uh, she's in college, her tuition is 60,000 a year, and I'm paying for it. And you know, I'm budgeting about 250 plus for her, right? So I mean, if I were you, I'm like, okay, I don't want any debt. I don't think, 
uh, making 600K would be awesome. You know what I mean? Like I almost want a number from people, which is why like in front of me, I have a whiteboard here going, I want to sell. Now I'm at a point where we're selling social media content partnerships. So I want my social media content partnership, the next one to come in at that level. I literally have a number here, um, which I don't tell people, right? But that is my mental number because I know that if someone comes to me with $500, that's not going to do anything for me. Because sometimes I feel like the problem yeah. is a lot of go-getters following me don't have any internal numbers. You know what I mean? So there's just sort of out there going, mm-hmm. I'm here to accept whatever. And guess what happens, Chase? They end up accepting whatever. You see what I'm saying? Yeah. And it's usually a lower amount than they actually right? want to. Because right. when I start doing my analysis, then I'm like, okay, so I got to buy this. I got to get this. This is 300 Budgeting, I guess is what I'm saying is almost budgeting and say my whatever personal expenses, my, I don't question. So if, you know, some guy has a huge gaming hobby, literally this guy spends $4,000 a month on gaming, whatever. I don't judge, but you got to tell me that, you know, so if I'm your boss and, and you are expecting money, then say, you know what? 20,000 a month would be solid you know gaming's four thousand sixteen thousand hangout rent whatever i'm good i i think that's an analysis that's amazing because what really hurts me chase is when people message me saying um anything i would love to do this self-development thing this thing but i don't have money and that's when i'm like you guys you have to budget for self-improvement and self-development i mean you can't just be on this hamster wheel and then and then you're gonna die you know so where is the money for the training where is the money for my book you won't believe, Chase, how many people, you know, they'll routinely say that I don't have $12, you know. And for me, it hurts. I don't judge, but it hurts because I'm like, this could really help you, you know. And the fact that you don't have it probably means that we're not thinking about every single aspect of what we need, you know. So because somewhere that also takes self-respect, you know, to sit down and go, oh, my gosh, I really need $20,000 a month. Like, that would be fantastic. You know, I think that requires a lot of like balls, to be honest, you know, to just say that. And then like where I am is I'll say, okay, I need $20,000 a month. How do I get there? Like, I know that's the question I'm asking. I don't know. Do I do the consults? Do I do the partnership? Do you know, which is like interesting because my immigrant family, that's not a model that they're comfortable with because they're like, I just want the guaranteed paycheck, whatever it is. But my argument is the guaranteed paycheck is going to be a lot less than $20,000 a month. So you either have to, I don't know negotiate a salary like that or start a business preferably a digital business that can get you twenty thousand dollars a month but i i really want to end with this that you really have to know what you need and a lot of the go-getters following me like i'm just getting a lot of things like oh i'm broke what do you need oh i don't know i'm broke like you know you see what i'm saying so you're you're stuck in the cycle right so how do you get out of it how do you be a go-getter how do you step out of this hole you have to know your goal like to go get a goal, you have to know what the goal is. So I think that's something that it's like, I guess, financial literacy 101, but I just, I'm not really seeing it uh, a lot, you know? Yeah. No. And I I think that's very important to be said. And I appreciate you saying that because if you don't have a goal, like an end goal, then you're just going to go down all these different paths and you're never going to really know. My people, you're going to be broke all the time is what I'm saying. Cause I, I, very, no, I'm very exactly. honest with them. So I'm like, hey, my book is out. I'm broke. Three weeks later, I'm still broke. And I'm like, you guys, what what are we doing here? Yeah. And like you said earlier, progress, right? If I don't have $12 yeah. this week to spend, what can I cut back on in order to make sure that I 
I do have $12 to spend. Mm -hmm. Or like you were saying earlier, what can I do to get there? And if it means cutting back on certain things and then also taking a second job or whatever that, that entails to get to that level of fulfillment and that money that you need to fulfill your life. So that way you can do and thrive in whatever it is that you need. It's like, just take a step back, think about what it is. And then you need to develop, at least in my, in my personal life, I need to develop a plan. It's like, Hey, I know my, my goal. I know a couple of steps on how I'll get there. I may not know everything, but I'll figure it out on my way. And then let's just attack it. That and also Chase, I do want to say, and this is something that I've been thinking about a lot is, uh, I want to do the least for the most money, you know? So I have been in situations where I have just been fully overcommitted that I'm going to deliver this. I'm going to do this. I'm going to do this. And it actually became overwhelming to me that when I saw the SOW, I saw the proposal, you know, it was a newsletter partnership and a this and a speaking engagement. And I was like, this is very overwhelming. So I actually had to return some funds in the past uh, because I told them, I said, I-, I can't do this. You know? So I think what I also want to stress to go-getters is do the least for the most money. Because I think what I have personally experienced is the money has become a burden that I said yes to it because this looks so good. But now I'm having trouble delivering because this is just too much, you know, because I I didn't think it through. I didn't think it through. And each task is very long, you know. So today what I do, social media content partnerships, uh, Chase, pretty much there is some work involved with managing my platforms and making sure the numbers are growing and stuff like that. But other than that, when I sell a partnership at four figures, um, it's pretty much the content, you know, so you're getting six posts, you know, I'm going to send you the content and then I just push it out and whatever we get is what we get. If it's 10,000 views, yay. If it's 120,000 views, yay. You know, that's awareness for you. So in terms of execution, it's pretty simple. You see what I'm saying? Whereas I think before, and my concern is some of the people reaching out to me, I have three jobs. I'll just get another one. I don't think that's the solution. You see what I'm saying? Like to have three kids and four jobs, I don't think that's the solution. So I I would also encourage go-getters to think very strategically and creatively about solutions. Because if you want to maximize your life, because again, my degree is in optimization, the variables are sort of, okay, family time, right? Minutes spent with family per week, right? Minutes spent alone per week, right? If you want to maximize all of that, working four jobs is not the solution, right? So I know for me, where I am at now is literally, and I'm not even joking with you. And again, my parents get really mad because that's not, because they're like, why aren't you working? And I'm like, because I created my schedule like that. You know what I mean? Because I'm, I'm not trying to mm-hmm. burn out, number one. I'm not trying to work my whole life. You know, that's crazy. You know, just like, that's all you do. So stepping back and saying, okay, you know what, I'm going to do this training with my buddy and we're going to split it. It's going to be $500 per person. Think creatively, think creatively because four jobs through this, you're exhausted, you're tired. That's not the solution. You see what I'm saying? Because there's also a variable called quality of life, right? And how you're feeling and how, you know what I mean? So that's a lot of the problem I see as well. So I'll reach out and like, yeah, like I'm being a go-go. I'm getting my fourth job. And I'm like, that's not, that's not what I suggest at all. At all. You see what I'm saying? Yeah. Um, <laughs> you see what I'm saying? So, so even with your uh, day job, you know, so if you're working so hard, you're producing so much, but your salary is not really matching up, that's not 
good. Like that's not being smart. You know, whereas for me, what I'm trying to, again, go to, I'm not there yet, Chase, but with my book right now, it's my memoir 26. I'm sort of DMing people now, like Twitter. I'm like, hey, you know, I'm ready for the book. They are ordering, you know, we're almost touching 700 um, orders, which is great. But, you know, to get to to what I want, which is 14,000, 15,000, I know that I need the platform. I need my website. I need my, you know, sort of automated digital sales. And then, you know, I can just drive people to the website and like, close my eyes in a minute hopefully I see 10,000 orders you know because they're all ordering at the same time and it's an automated process but to think that I can do that on my own would be stupidity you see what I'm saying yeah so yeah I, I see it I, strategic I totally you know because I think some people that at least they're reaching out to me like I'm just like you guys are not being smart right now like what do you have what can you do Let's find an equation that works for you, you know? And that's why, like, I always get annoyed. People are like, oh, so you're not using your degree. I'm like, actually, I'm using my degree every day. Uh, just in terms of social problems, you know? Yeah, I love that. I love that. Well, Shinjini, thank you so much for everything today. This was, I, I'm excited. I, I, like I said earlier, I'm on a cloud. This was fantastic. And I have a lot of stuff on my on my own mind. And I know that a lot of the listeners will too, because now I'm thinking about, you know, next steps, future, and how to continue to be cognizant and thoughtful as I continue to move throughout my career and try to achieve my goals. So I really appreciate you. This was, this was awesome. It's better than it listening to you on a, on another podcast or tuning into your articles, just being able to talk 100%. to you one-on-one. -on -one. So thank 100%, you so much. Chase. You're amazing. You're a go-getter. <laughs>